This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Warning. This podcast is an audio documentary of a real crime case, which may be troubling and upsetting to certain listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Wake up! Wake up! If you like to burn people thing, how would you like if I burn your hand? These threatening words were based on court documents of a domestic helper's final moments during her stint in Singapore. And they were just the tip of the iceberg. For nearly a year, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, Burmese domestic worker Ms. Pyang Nai Don endured verbal, physical and mental abuse under her Singaporean employers. It only stopped the moment she died on July 26, 2016. In 2015, Ms. Pyang Nai Don left her hometown in Myanmar in hope of a better future and to provide for her family. But the next time her family saw her, they were planning for her funeral. The cruel details of the abuse prompted Minister for Law and Home Affairs K. Shamugam to make a rare statement about the ongoing case. The bestiality of the conduct is shocking. People who seem ordinary are capable of extraordinary evil. You're listening to True Crimes of Asia, a special podcast series by The Straits Times. I'm Jean Yao, a journalist at The Singapore Desk. In this episode, we transport you back to 2016, behind the closed doors of a public housing flat in Bishan. The 24-year-old Burmese migrant domestic helper, Ms. Pyang Nai Don, hardly left home. She had no mobile phone, she had no days off work either. Many neighbours were not aware that the family living in this flat had hired a domestic helper. In the last weeks of her life, Ms. Pyang Nai Don barely ate, barely slept, but almost daily, she was beaten. When the petite woman started working for the family on May 28, 2015, she weighed 39 kilograms. She went down to just 24 kilograms when she died on July 26, 2016, from the final assault. When night fell, her employers tied her to a window grill to make sure she couldn't escape. 14 months after she began working at the household, Ms. Pyang Nai Don died from brain injuries and severe blunt trauma to her neck, caused by her 43-year-old employer Gayatri Murugayan and her 64-year-old mother, Prema S. Narayanasamy. 
witness Pyang Nai Don's painful ordeal and tragic death at the hands of the mother-daughter duo triggered an outpouring of shock and grief in Singapore, where thousands of households employ foreign domestic workers. Mr. Tin Mang Win runs Helping Hands for Migrant Workers. It is a non-governmental organisation that caters to Myanmar domestic helpers in Singapore. He describes the acts against Ms. Pyang Nai Don as inhumane. As Mr. Tin told the Straits Times, The employer, then her mother, not a human, I would say. Not considerate people. Their attitude is like animal attitude. Very cruel. The case exposed the glaring lack of protection available for helpers like Ms. Pyang Nai Don, who might be voiceless and at the mercy of their errant employers. It also compelled the Singapore government to plug the regulatory gaps that allowed Ms. Pyang Nai Don's suffering to be overlooked. Ms. Pyang Nai Don spent most of her life in Dimpi village, located in the remote hills of Chin State, Myanmar, where over half the state lives below the poverty line. The single mother sought a better life for her three-year-old son and left her family and rural village to work in Singapore. Arriving in Singapore in May 2015, Ms. Pyang Nai Don began working for Kevin Chalvam and his then-wife, Gayathri. Also living in the three-bedroom unit were Gayathri's two children and two tenants. Her mother, Prema, frequently stayed over to help with the children. Shortly after, Gayathri became unhappy with Ms. Pyang Nai Don, finding her slow and lacking in hygiene. She also thought Ms. Pyang Nai Don ate too much and would flare up and shout at her. But the abuse turned physical five months later in October 2015. Gayathri and her mother would beat Ms. Pyang Nai Don several times a day. CCTVs installed in the home to keep watch on the helper and Gayathri's children captured the extensive abuse that was inflicted in the last 35 days of Ms. Pyang Nai Don's life. In total, Gayathri faced a staggering 115 charges for the harm she inflicted on the domestic worker. The court proceeded with 28 of them. In one instance, Gayathri doused Ms. Pyang Nai Don's head in cold water, supposedly to wake her up. When Gayathri was angered, she did not hold back on punches, slaps, and even kicks. Gayathri even stomped on Ms. Pyang Nai Don while she was on the ground. She also hit her with objects like a plastic bottle, a metal ladle, and a broomstick. She would sometimes target vulnerable areas like her head neck and groin. On numerous occasions, Gayathri took hold of Ms. Pyang Nai Don by the hair to lift her off the ground or drag her across the floor. 
One episode involved Gayathri pressing a hot steam iron into the helper's forehead and forearm for presumably having burnt some clothes. The domestic worker was given very little to eat. Mostly sliced bread soaked in water, cold food straight from the refrigerator, or some rice at night. Little surprise then that Miss Pyong Nai Don lost a third of her body weight by the time she died. A doctor who testified during court proceedings said that if the starvation had gone on, the helper would have suffered progressive organ failure and if left untreated, would have led to death. It was close to midnight on July 25, 2016. Gayathri became upset that Miss Pyang Nai Don was taking too long to do the laundry. Chilling footage showed Gayathri once again lashing out, grabbing the emaciated domestic worker by the hair and shaking her like a rag doll. When the helper began swaying on her feet from the impact of the blows, Gayathri told her not to dance before striking her head with a detergent bottle. Miss Pyang Nai Don fell to the floor and was unable to get up despite orders from Gayathri and her mother, Prema. The mother-daughter pair then splashed water on her and hit her. They left her tied to the window grill, still in her wet clothes, without any dinner. At about 5am, Gayathri tried to wake Miss Pyang Nai Don, but she did not respond. Angered, Gayathri repeatedly kicked and stomped on Miss Pyang Nai Don's head and neck. She also choked her. When Miss Pyang Nai Don remained unconscious, Prema and Gayathri became worried. Gayathri even tried to pour a bottle of water on the helper's face, but attempts to wake her failed. Miss Pyang Nai Don remained motionless for another four hours before Gayathri called for a doctor from a nearby clinic. She changed Miss Pyang Nai Don out of her wet clothes and moved her to the sofa while waiting for the doctor to arrive. The doctor called the ambulance after finding Miss Pyang Nai Don dead. An autopsy report found a total of 31 recent scars and 47 external injuries all over the maid's body. It said that the repeated choking of Miss Pyang Nai Don had led to oxygen deprivation to the brain, which resulted in death. Gayathri, who was initially charged with murder, had her charge reduced to culpable homicide because she developed major depressive disorder while she was pregnant with her son a year earlier. Her lawyer argued that this amplified her obsessive-compulsive personality disorder. She's currently serving a 30-year jail sentence. Kevin Chalvam, Gayathri's then-husband, is a police officer 
but he has been suspended from service since August 8, 2016. He is accused of voluntarily causing hurt to Ms. Pyang Nai Don by grabbing her hair to lift her, giving false information to a police investigator, and removing CCTV evidence. And his case is ongoing. His trial is scheduled to begin in July 2023. Prema was handed an additional three years on June 26, 2023 after she was found guilty of instigating Chalvam to cause footage of the abuse to disappear. She is currently serving 17 years imprisonment. Gayathri pleaded guilty in court in February 2021. She had not yet been sentenced at the time, and proceedings against her mother and former husband were still pending. But the cruel details of the abuse prompted Minister for Law and Home Affairs K. Shamugam to make a rare statement about the ongoing case. He said, What was done to Madam Piang, the foreign domestic worker, was terrible, completely unacceptable. In fact, none of these words describe adequately what actually happened to her. She was tied up, burnt with heated iron, denied food, hit repeatedly, and more. She was starved and beaten to death. The bestiality of the conduct is shocking. And you know, you go back to history, is that people who seem ordinary are capable of extraordinary evil. Details of Ms. Pyang Nai Don's death shocked the nation, and many wondered just how her months-long abuse went undetected. When she went to the GP clinic for a medical checkup on May 23, 2016, the doctor noticed that she had bruises around her eye sockets, cheeks, and a runny nose. But Gayatri answered the doctor's questions on Ms. Pyang Nai Don's behalf, saying that she was clumsy and fell down frequently. With no phone or days off, Ms. Pyang Nai Don had little interaction with anyone outside the home, and perhaps few opportunities to ask for help. Ms. Jaya Anil Kuma is a Senior Research and Advocacy Manager at Humanitarian Organisation for Migration Economics, or HOME for short. She told The Straits Times, I think that especially after the employer went to court and pleaded guilty, and the details of the circumstances that led to her death came to light, there was a very strong sense as a society that we need to do more to protect our domestic workers. I think there was a lot of societal realisation that we have to strengthen our laws and kind of do more to ensure that they are better protected, which led to a whole slew of measures to come sometime in 2021. Following Ms. Pyang Nai Don's death, documentary makers from news network Al Jazeera visited her family home and spoke to her sister, Ms. Chiang Lam Man. She told them, It really hit me hard. Now that she's gone and left behind her son, how am I going to look after him? My sister said, Sister, I want to come back because I'm not feeling well. I want to come back in August. Can brother pick me up in Yangon? That conversation was in early July. 
two weeks before Miss Pyeong Naidon's death. It was the last time the sisters spoke. Miss Pyeong Naidon's brother, Mr. Pao Sian Meng, made the journey to retrieve his sister's body from Singapore back to Chin State in August 2016. It would have taken him at least two days. He told the Singapore media then, To lose our sister in the hand of our employer was extremely painful and difficult to comprehend, but our family forgave the perpetrators. The law will take its own course. Our family is thankful to the government of Singapore and the Embassy of the Republic of the Union of Myanmar for helping us to bring justice for our sister, Yang Lai Don. We are extremely grateful to the kindness and love shown to us from Singaporean different welfare organizations, churches, and various communities living in Singapore. God bless you all for showering love and care to our family at this difficult time. Thank you very much. Several NGOs here raised money to support Ms. Pyeong Nai Don's family and her three-year-old son. One of them was home. Ms. Kuma met Mr. Pao Sian Mang and other relatives in 2021. She told The Straits Times, They were very kind and warm people who showed, I guess, us and everyone a lot of gratitude to whomever had helped them, which I guess saddened me a lot more. Because what I was feeling was, you know, I shouldn't, I, I wish I wasn't meeting you because it was because of uh, Miss Pyang's death that, you know, me and my colleagues were even meeting them. I did feel the sense of loss when I met them, the loss that they were clearly going through and will probably go through for the rest of their lives. When we welcome someone into our country, so someone who is basically helping our household, our economy grow, she shouldn't have been returned to the family in the manner that she was. Miss Pyeong Nai Don's brother accompanied her body from Singapore to Yangon by plane. In Yangon, they were received by about 200 people from the Chin State, including relatives who had travelled over 800 kilometres to pay their respects and mourn her death. Many of them wailed uncontrollably when they saw her body. Religious leaders conducted funeral rites for Miss Pyeong Nai Don, offering prayers and blessings. This is so she would find peace and not suffer in the next life. Family and friends who gathered at her funeral also sang hymns for her.
today, life goes on in the Bishan neighborhood where the horror took place. Many of Miss Pyeong Nai Don's neighbors have moved out since. A year ago, new residents moved into the flat once occupied by Gayathri and her family. When the Straits Times visited the flat, a domestic helper answered the door. While she had heard of Miss Pyeong Nai Don's death, she did not know that this was the very unit where the case took place. As for the neighbours who were living there at the time, many were unwilling to talk about her death, while some had never seen Miss Pyeong Nai Don before. This was not surprising, as Miss Pyeong Nai Don was barely allowed out of the flat. As part of her employment contract, the domestic helper agreed to forego days off and ownership of a handphone in exchange for a higher salary. A young neighbour, who declined to be named, was seven years old when Miss Pyeong Nai Don was murdered. With his aunt by his side, he told the Straits Times. Honestly, right, uh, whenever we go by, we heard some uh, shouting sometimes. I've seen that lady before. So when I was really young, I, I used a skateboard to, to uh, ride along the corridor and then the lady would shout at me. She was not really a good neighbour. So I kept away from her as much as possible. When asked if he ever saw Miss Pyeong Nai Don, the neighbour said he didn't even know that she worked there. The first he had heard about Miss Pyeong Nai Don was when her death made headlines. He recalled, I was coming back from school and then I couldn't use this lift because I was pulling surrounding the house and then all I know about is that after a few days um, I saw on the news uh, the lady who was living next door abused and killed a domestic helper. Miss Pyeong Nai Don died in 2016, but the facts of her case only came to light in 2021, when Gayatri pleaded guilty in court. It soon sparked intense discussion over the welfare and treatment of foreign domestic workers in Singapore. Miss Pyeong Nai Don's death became a driving force for the government. It made sweeping changes to ensure more protection for this vulnerable group. In February 2021, then Manpower Minister Josephine Teo said in a press conference, The case uh, involving Madame Pyang is appalling and it is absolutely unacceptable. Let me be absolutely clear. There is no place for abuse against foreign domestic workers in Singapore. There is simply no place for it. This is not the kind of society we are, and we will do what we can to protect them whilst they are here. There are safeguards in place, but we must do better to prevent such an egregious incident from ever happening again. We have been reviewing three areas. 
The Ministry of Manpower told the Straits Times about some of these measures introduced over 2021 and 2022. They include compulsory checks by employment agencies on domestic workers who are settling into new households. The agency must check in with the helper within the first three months. Manpower Ministry appointed officials have also begun conducting random house visits to interview and check up on domestic helpers. More recently, the government has made it mandatory for domestic workers in Singapore to have at least one rest day per month, which they cannot exchange for additional salary. Doctors must also conduct more thorough checks for domestic workers, including recording their body mass index and looking out for signs of suspicious or unexplained injuries during these compulsory checkups. During such checks, employers are not allowed to be present. While these measures have helped authorities to detect some cases of abuse, NGOs said that instances of mistreatment or violence still occur. Mr Tin, who runs Helping Hands for Migrant Workers, told The Straits Times he still gets daily calls from domestic workers in Singapore asking for help. Every day, at least two to three calls from the Myanmar domestic worker, mostly are minor issues. Not happy with the employer, they want to transfer, but they don't give transfer. To improve the system, he and Ms Kuma both singled out one rule in particular that they say must change. As of now, in 2023, domestic workers must seek their current employer's approval before they can transfer to a new employer. Domestic workers, they require their employer's permission to change jobs. So inherently, a lot of domestic workers are still very scared. You know, even if something's wrong, if, for example, they're being illegally deployed or there's some form of abuse that's happening, you know, even if they're in a very safe environment and they're speaking to someone who's making them feel comfortable, they might still ask themselves, will I be losing my job if I report this particular incident or this kind of abuse to the authorities? What is going to happen to me? Am I going to be guaranteed employment? In a lot of cases, we do see that domestic workers are given employment, but for them, it's not a guarantee and they do not know that, you know, whether or not if they leave this employer, whether they can go to the next one. A lot of them come with a lot of debt, so they are also afraid to go back and face the debt back in their home countries because they know their families would be in trouble as well. So systemic changes like that also go a long way in uh, helping domestic workers report abuse and reject circumstances that are exploitative and abusive. Ms. Kuma said that respecting the rights of domestic workers and remembering that we are all human beings is at the heart of the matter. And giving domestic workers the same rights as all other employees in Singapore will help change perceptions. The more rights we give to domestic workers, it also changes societal perceptions of domestic workers and domestic work. From what we see through the years of casework that we have done, is that there's this propensity to treat domestic workers as lesser beings, as someone who doesn't deserve the same kind of treatment that you would give your family, your friends, your colleagues. So when we sort of, you know, say that, hey, no, they are deserving as they're deserving of rights equal to you, equal to anyone else in society, then that sort of changes perceptions of domestic work as well. And it then makes employers respect the work and respect the worker a lot more. 
Another option could be to allow migrant domestic workers to live out. There are currently about 140 companies under the Household Services Scheme. Under this arrangement, the firms provide domestic services including cleaning, grocery shopping and car washing to more than 21,000 homes. This allows workers from Cambodia, India, Myanmar, Sri Lanka or Thailand to work part-time at multiple households without living at the homes they work at. A pilot is underway to include basic child and elder-minding services. But Ms Kuma believes that the live-out option should be given to all migrant domestic workers too. She is aware of the higher costs, but believes this is a price worth paying to stem domestic abuse in Singapore. Why are they vulnerable is because they are live-in, you know, because a lot of things happen behind closed doors. So a lot of the measures that we put in place, these checks, giving them one mandatory days off, it gives them an avenue to seek help. Sometimes it may not be timely enough. And sometimes they are still scared to still reach out because they do not know what's going to happen to them. So another thing that Home proposes is the option of live out for domestic workers. We have said this a few times and to say that give domestic workers the option of living away from their employers. Because again, this entrenches the idea that they are workers. There's this idea that, oh, you know, I treat my domestic worker as family, which is all well and good. It's, it comes from a very good place to, to say that you want to care for this person. You want to treat this person with the same kind of love that you would someone who is your own flesh and blood but it also gives rise to very complicated you know kinds of emotions as between the 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 worker and the employer because at the end of the day it is an employer-employee relationship and we cannot ignore fundamentally the power imbalance that comes with an employer-employee relationship it shouldn't take something so tragic for us to make our laws better because it shouldn't be reactive. We should recognise where the loopholes are and do our best to plug them uh, where we can. You are listening to the third episode of True Crimes of Asia, a new and special six-part podcast series started by The Straits Times in 2023. It was narrated by Jin Yao, Produced and edited by Hadiu Rahim and Faiza Sani. And the executive producers are Ernest Lewis and Tan Tam May. The next episode will be out on July 25th and thereafter, the fourth Tuesday of every month. If you'd like to read more of Jean Yao's columns on Singapore, there's a link in our podcast show notes. Once again, do follow ST's True Crimes of Asia podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. Get notified when we drop the latest episodes. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.